I don't even remember what we were talking about. Girls, music, I don't know, whatever sophomores talk about. But we were standing outside the classrooms in a group, a small group of us, and it was after school. And I kept looking over the shoulder of one of my buddies, kind of like this. And about a minute later, I said to myself, there she is. And from where I was, I could see this flowing river of teenagers just unconsciously following the slightly winding sidewalk, making their way towards the buses and the parking lot. And among them was a tenants girl. And then with confused looks on their faces, one friend literally stopped in mid-sentence when I silently kind of just shouldered my way through the group and started walking towards this long mass of students. Weaving my way through, I could hear pieces of scattered and random conversations from other students just kind of hovering in the air as I made my way through, walking faster and faster as I kind of started chasing after her. I needed to get to her. And while I was chasing, all I could think about was, I've got to catch her before she gets to her car. Just then, though, a small group of freshman girls were clumped together, walking side by side, blocking my way, blocking the entire sidewalk. And so I just wedged my way through them, and I looked back at them to say, freshman. <laughs> and one of them was already giving me that, you know, that little girl look like, you know. <laughs> so I turned around and looked back towards the parking lot, and I saw that a tenants girl was already approaching the back of her mom's white Ford Taurus. And so I shouted, hey, a tenants girl, wait! And she swung around with dignified purpose and just the right amount of sass, cradling a notebook and a trigonometry textbook on top of it. And she watched me slow down as I took my final steps towards her. And she just stood there staring at me in like stoic silence, confident that she owed me no explanation, just waiting for me to say something. But I didn't say anything, nothing, not one word, because everything that I wanted to say was in the note that I held in my outstretched hand. Hello everyone, my name is Bishop Frisch. Wherever you may be watching or listening, let me first thank you very much for being here and welcome you to My Life Through Music, a project where I talk about the songs and music that were either there at the time or describe thoughts, feelings, or emotions I was experiencing at those particular places and at those particular times. And the song that was there and represents these memories is Alone Again, by Dawkins, released in 1984. This, to me, is such a beautiful, beautiful song that embodies the pain of being alone. I mean, listen to the sorrowful, melodic guitar work in the intro. 
hear the gut-wrenching chords that make you feel as if you were just punched right in the stomach and wait for the piercing and shrieking bends in the guitar solo that that slowly turned the knife that that proverbial knife that has been plunged deep into the heart of the suffering lover but in addition to all that what makes this song so beautiful to me is the voice of one don dawkin it's his beautiful voice the smooth voice contrasted contrasted with George Lynch's lacerating guitar that produces this perfect balance between missing someone and perfect heartache. When I started listening to Dawkin, thanks to my buddy in typing class, when I started listening to Dawkin, hearing Don Dawkin's voice, I swear, I, I had an image in my mind of a bucket of honey just slowly being poured out, flowing from a thin, continuous, unbroken stream onto several uneven surfaces and just slowly pouring and pouring and dripping and dripping. And that's what came to mind when I heard his voice and and still does. Just a little transparency there. So, as I mentioned before in the last video, uh, during the three years or so of Attendance Girl and I being together and dating, we were on again, off again, which simply means that there would be periods of time during our relationship when we would break up uh, for a little bit, but remarkably, it wouldn't take long for us to find each other again. But of the many times that we broke up, and there were more than a few, <laughs> I'll always remember the very first time, like it was yesterday. <laughs> and here's why. A lot of times, and not always, but a lot of times, just like most other couples, during the school day, we would meet up in between classes and usually it was to obviously see each other um, to pass notes that contained important information. <laughs> uh, we would also do some flirting and do some making out and when the teachers saw us you know if they saw us by the lockers or in the hallway you know they'd say hey knock that off and get to class but on this day honestly didn't even give it a second thought when she handed me a note you know in a on a square folded up piece of paper with my name on it i mean that was normal it was the way we all communicated back then <laughs> i mean believe it or not that was the most uh efficient way to communicate during school either you talk to them face to face or past notes in class if that person happened to be in the same class as you were or if they weren't in the same class you would give them a note in between classes so they they can read it later on in in their class and I know that 
It sounds crazy to someone in school today, like, you know, in 2022. But remember, you know, this was in the mid to late 80s and there were no cell phones. There was no instant messages, uh, no internet. There was no texting, no social media of any kind. No MySpace, no Facebook, no Instagram. (laughs) Dude, none of that was even a thought yet. So, passing notes, phone calls on a landline, or face-to-face communication, that was the main way that we talked to each other and communicated back then. So, people weren't as accessible as they are today. I mean, you know, you just couldn't, you know, like today you can text somebody and either they'll get it or they'll get it when they see the message. But back then, it had to be, you know, through those ways, those means. And so that's why I was in such a hurry. That's why the urgency to catch her that day that I was talking about in the intro, because if I didn't catch her and I didn't get a hold of her on the phone that night, I wasn't going to be able to talk to her till the next day. So for her to give me a, uh, a note, you know, like that, it was no big deal. So, I get to my next class, which was art, and as everyone was, you know, still milling around and trying to squeeze out that last few seconds of social time, I sat down at my table and I pulled out the note that a tennis girl gave me, and I opened it up and I started reading it, and I'm, you know, I'm just reading it, you know, expecting the same. As I started reading it, all of a sudden, all the noise you know, got quieter and was drowning out. And as I continued, I realized that it wasn't what I was expecting. My muscles got weak and I fell back in my chair as if something was twisting inside of me and my breath got shallow and a lump started to form in my throat. She was breaking up with me. (laughs) What? (laughs) And that was the first of the many breakups that started this on-again, off-again cycle. So sitting in art class, I had to write her back. I mean, she needed to know how I felt, right? She didn't know how I felt about this. So right there in art class, I did the only thing that came to mind And I got out a piece of notebook paper. (laughs) And here's what I did. Now remember, I'm I'm 15 at this point, so give me a little slack here. But what I did was, in the middle of the piece of notebook paper, I drew, you know, like a medium-sized heart. (laughs) And I put her name in the middle. And check this out. I drew an arrow piercing through the heart. (laughs) And it even had a little blood on the tip and what was even worse I drew a little small pool of blood on the ground (laughs) and at the top of the page above you know this artwork (laughs) I wrote from the song quote I tried so hard to make you see but I couldn't find the words and on the bottom of the page I wrote again from the song and if you know the song you know exactly What I finished it up with was, quote, 
Now the tears, they fall like rain. I'm alone again without you. End quote. <laughs> Transparency. I mean, again, I was 15 years old. I don't know. And that was the contents of the note that I gave her on that day in the parking lot that I was explaining in the beginning of this video. And after I gave her the note, without saying anything, I walked away and I walked over to California Kids Truck. <laughs> I threw my duffel bag into the back um, and I got into the passenger side <laughs> and I just sat there. <laughs> so fast forward to where I am now in the story. Uh, we're talking probably two and a half years later or so. If you've seen any of the, the last couple videos, you will know that once again, she's gone for different reasons, but she's gone. And obviously I brought all of this, of what was happening to me onto myself. And honestly, at this point, I really didn't want pity. I didn't. I, I didn't want her or anyone else to feel sorry for me. I didn't. At this point, all I wanted to do was just make it right. Even if we were, we were not going to find our way back to each other like so many times before, all I wanted to do was make it right. And I didn't know how. I really didn't. But one of the few things that I had learned about myself by then, at that time, one of the most torturous things for me personally is the feeling that I have in some way let another being down. And I didn't want her to have this view, this belief that this was who I was. I wanted her to know that what she saw in me uh, years ago, years before, was really me. That she wasn't wrong, that her instincts and her heart was right. And I knew that I had a lot of work to do and even though that it had only been a few hours since leaving her house this time, after us breaking up this, this last time, I, I, I remember missing her. I missed her terribly. Have you ever had that feeling? It's like wherever you go, you can imagine them being with you there. Wherever you look, you see them. Uh, when you're driving, you look over where they were so many times before, but, but now they're not there anymore. They're gone. A song comes on the radio and it reminds you of them. You want to talk to them, but again, they're not there. You want to feel them. You want to feel their presence, but you can't. Not anymore because they're gone. Um, you want to call them, but you know that they won't answer. They won't take your call. And then it really, at that point, sets in, I'm alone again. It would take me decades to truly come to the understanding that being alone is not necessarily always a bad thing. But back then, of course, at 17, 18 years old, most of us place our happiness and our worth into someone else. And yes, having them in our lives does contribute to our happiness 
and it contributes to our worth, but it can't be the primary source. Where do you think the core source of our happiness and the core source of our worth should come from? It, com it comes from inside of us. I believe it does. And I teach my kids this. You are the source of your own happiness, not someone else. You are the source of your own worth. And again, not someone else. And once that is established strongly and firmly and permanently within you, then you can invite others to contribute and share in that happiness and that worth. And that's when you can really start making a difference. That's when you can start being your true self. But like I said, I wouldn't come to that understanding of those concepts for a long time. And I'll get into that way down the road. But for now, <laughs> at this point of this story, 17, 18 years old, um, I needed to figure out my life. Because at this point, not only did I let another being down, but most importantly, I let myself down. I didn't even know who I was anymore. And these are the reasons why I need to thank the great Dawkins for this great song and why it's right here in my, my Life Through Music playlist. Um, I'm going to put a link to this song as well as a couple of live versions of it also so that you can really grasp and appreciate the greatness of this band as well as the beauty of, of Don Dawkins' voice. I encourage you to check it out. Uh, if you've heard it before, go back and listen to it again. If you haven't heard it before, go check it out, man. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Listen to it as loud as you can, as loud as your ears can take it, but don't hurt your ears. Uh, if you hurt your ears, you can't listen to great music, so take care of your ears, but turn it up a little bit. <laughs> I guess if I had a breakup song, um, this would be it. And for these reasons... Um, what is yours, if you have one, and why? Well, will I ever get my act together? What would help me? Several things. Um, several unexpected changes that I will never believe were coincidence. And how a random afternoon stop at a random house would bring me face-to-face with a teacher, a teacher who would not only change my perspective on life, but my life itself. What's the famous quote? When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. When the student is truly ready, the teacher will disappear. I'm going to start talking about those things in the next video when I talk a little more about my life through music. As always, Thank you for being here. Thank you for your time. I know it's valuable. And thanks for listening. It would take decades 